Amen. Thanks, Mitchell. Well, welcome to Journey Church. My name is Scott. I'm the lead pastor here. In case you're not aware, this Sunday is the third Sunday in, in Advent. Now, again, if Advent is maybe a new idea or a new practice for you, it just, it's simply the word, it means arrival or, or coming. And, and so the, we're waiting for the arrival of, of Christmas. We're waiting for the arrival of, of Jesus. And um, it's often referred to as like a, a season of waiting. Now, in our Christmas culture, and especially in like in America, like like we understand what what this means, right? We've been trained that as soon as you put away like the the Thanksgiving dishes, like it's time to start preparing for Christmas. The the music comes on, the tree comes out, the the lights go up, and and we start waiting and preparing for Christmas. Now, if you're anything like me, you you maybe struggle with with waiting just in general, with that fruit of the spirit of of patience. And maybe it is a a challenge for you to to wait for things, maybe to wait in line, to wait for your kids, to wait for the light to turn green, whatever it is. Maybe you struggle with with patience. But but patience itself is actually more than just an inability to wait. Patience is actually how we wait. Last week we talked about about peace and how peace is this, this inner assurance that God gives us that, that ultimately, maybe not currently or maybe not even in the near future, but ultimately that, that all will be well. And the reality about peace and the reality of that concept of, the, of waiting for something to ultimately be well is that it will likely take time, a lot of, of waiting. Maybe it, it'll take a, a long period of waiting. Maybe it'll take a lifetime of waiting before all will be well again. So let me ask you a question as we prepare this morning. How are you at waiting? Is that a great practice for you? How are, how are you at, at waiting? And, and maybe even a, a better question is this. How are you waiting? I want to pray, and then we're going to get into Matthew's gospel. Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We ask this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would come. And by that, we simply ask that you would awaken us to the reality of your presence. Lord, we, we know that you are nearer than we realize. Help us to, to know that, to sense that, and to be aware of it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, we're going to read from Matthew's gospel from the first chapter. And if you're willing and able, I'd like to invite you to stand with me as we read from God's word this morning. We'll be reading again in Matthew 1, starting at verse 18. And there it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, 
but, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And, she called, and he called his name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may have a seat. Now last week, if you were here with us, you know that we looked at, at Luke's gospel in chapter 1 where we see a similar story. We see an angel encounter. We see an angel show up to Mary and, and in, invite Mary into what we were talking about, inviting her into upheaval. And we saw in Mary's story that she responds with, with peace, with this inner assurance that ultimately all would be well. Now by comparison, today we're looking at Matthew's gospel where Matthew himself has a, an angel encounter which looks a little bit different and it actually takes place in, in a dream according to Matthew for for Joseph that his encounter with an angel took place in a dream but both of them are are telling both Matthew and Luke are telling the story of Jesus's birth but as we read them we notice that they're they're a little bit different they they maybe are told from a a different perspective or with a a different purpose really they're told with a different focus Luke being focused on on Mary and kind of her story and, and Jesus' birth in, in that context. And, and Matthew tells a story in the, in the focus of, of Joseph and, and what's taking place in, in, in and with him as, as they prepare for the birth of Jesus. But for both of these stories, for both of these authors who are writing the, as a similar gospel, they both converge on, on one point. They both converge on, on one specific detail, and that detail is the, the name of this child. We read it in, in Luke chapter 1 where he says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and, and bear a son, and you shall name his name Jesus. And then in Matthew chapter 1 verse 21, he says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now what we can grasp from this is that like, this was not something important. Like the name of Jesus was something significant. Not only did the angel talk to both of them, Mary and Joseph, but it, it actually made it into both gospel accounts of it. That, that both of them talk about the naming of Jesus and making sure that his, that his name is Jesus. For both of them, it's significant and, and important. Now, I remember trying, well, it was my wife and I, but I remember us trying to name both of, or both. I have three children. Like, like Mitchell said, try not to do math on stage, but I remember when we were naming all of our children, and I, you've, I felt some pressure, like to come up with, with a name, right? It had to be a name that wasn't too cool or too trendy, but you also didn't want a name that was too traditional or too plain. You didn't want a name that was maybe too long, or you didn't want a name that maybe rhymed with something weird or, or like, you know, like... I just remember my own childhood as, as a kid who was sometimes called Scotty. They also called, like, Scotty Potty. And, like, you just want your kid to have a name that, that's going to, like, they might be mocked because kids are both creative and cruel at the same time. And so you just, I felt pressure to, to get this right. And, and it felt like a struggle. And, and maybe even for that name to have significance or, or for meaning. But, but in comparison to the, the time of Jesus' birth, like, names then were so significant. They had such deep significance. They meant so much more than just trying to find a name that was trendy or finding a name that was cool or finding a name that was unique. The name that they would give their child, it would often tell about who that child was or it would predict or point towards who that child was going to be. When parents named their children in the era of Jesus' birth, they were giving them a name that was both powerful and prophetic. And because of that, the angel of the Lord made sure that they gave him the name of Jesus. They weren't going to leave, he wasn't going to leave this up 
to chance. He didn't just let Mary come up with the name, and he definitely wasn't going to let Joseph because he knew the dad was going to mess it up. So he just, he made sure that their name, they got the name correctly, and they named him Jesus. Now, a few uh, years ago, uh, during kind of a, what I would call our COVID Christmases, back when we weren't really able to gather like this, when, when we, we were only gathering online and, and we were all just kind of hunkered down in, in our houses and, and with our, our families or, or whatever. And one of the things that our staff did is we went around um, to the, about over 100 families or individuals that called Journey Church their home church, and we brought them these Advent calendars. Uh, and it was an Advent calendar. It was, it, it was the names of Jesus, and, and it was a box, and I actually brought it. I didn't bring it up here, so it's, it's somewhere in here, but I don't have it. So, But each card has the name of, of Jesus on it, like a different name of Jesus, what he would be referred to in the Old Testament, what he, ways that he referred to himself, the, the name of, of Jesus. And, and it was an opportunity for us to certainly show some community and some life to one another. But it, as I was preparing this message this week, I was reminded of those cards and, the, and just the value of looking at the names of Jesus, understanding the, the significance of those names. And as I looked at this passage specifically, I saw that there were three of those names that are found in this passage that we read today. Those names are, are Messiah or Christ, the name Jesus and Emmanuel. Like these three in particular, they are, they are powerful and they are prophetic. Messiah or Christ, it actually, it means the, the promised king. Matthew started this passage by saying, this is how the birth of, of Jesus Christ takes place. Now, just for clarification, just to understand, like the word Christ isn't Jesus' last name. I know maybe that's misunderstood at times. But what it meant in the Greek was it was Christos, which was, had the same meaning as, as Messiah. So Messiah and Christ are, are just interchangeable. And both mean the promised king who would usher in an age of peace, who would usher in an age of freedom from oppression, who would usher in the restoring of all things, making earth like heaven, bringing heaven to earth. And when we look at this passage specifically, when we look at this passage in, in Matthew, if we flip back just to the, the next passage before it, and maybe you've seen it, it's just this genealogy of Jesus. It's the list of, of all the men and women that came before Jesus, all the, the line of people that, that brought Jesus to where he was through the line of, of David and, and through his kind of adopted dad, Joseph. But what you see in that is that at generation after generation after generation, they were waiting for the Messiah, that they had been waiting not just a lifetime, but, but a lifetime upon lifetime for the Messiah to come, for the Messiah to usher in the, the renewal and the restoration of all things, the liberation and the, and the freedom that they were desiring and they were hoping for and they were waiting a long time to see this Messiah come. And what they had hoped for, what they had been waiting for would, would easily be described as a, as a warrior king. A king who would come in with, with authority and with power and with, and with force and who would set the, God's people free from, from captivity or oppression in Rome. Similar to what he had done when he set them free from, from Egypt. They were hoping for a, a second uh, exodus to take place. But what they got was not a warrior king. What they got was an unexpected Messiah. The Christ child who would take an unexpected path to establish his kingdom. And they named him 
Jesus. Now, the name Jesus, it means the Lord is salvation. Now, apparently, uh, the name Jesus was a, a popular name at the time, and I, and I don't know if that meant that at school or on the playground, if, if Jesus, you know, had to, like, kind of go be differentiated by his last initial, you know, like my son, Sam, had a lot of Sams in his class, so he was, he was Sam E, so I don't know if this was like, there was Jesus G and, and Jesus C, like Jesus Christ, and it's not his last name, okay. <laughs> get it? But it, it's actually not surprising that this name was popular. In, in Hebrew, the, the name Jesus was actually the name Joshua. Now, Joshua was the, the, the leader, the one who would take them out of the wilderness, who would lead them out of the wilderness and into the promised land. It is similar to what they were now hoping for in a Messiah was what they saw with, with Joshua, someone who would lead God's people out of wilderness into the promised land. I want you to listen to how Ed Rabba, a Methodist pastor, would describe what's taking place in this naming of Jesus. He says, when the angel announced to Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins, he was clearly communicating the reality of one who brings salvation to God's people once again, but in a way and a manner that no ordinary human being could ever do. This time, the one who bears the name, meaning the Lord is salvation, is actually the Lord of salvation in the flesh, who had come to lead God's people out of a life of futility and death and into the land of the living. That's why Jesus, that's why God sent Jesus to lead us out of wilderness, out of sin and sorrow, heartache and brokenness and emptiness, and into the promised land, the promised land of of the loving presence of God, which leads us to the last name, Emmanuel, which means God with us. I heard Emmanuel described this way as I was studying this week, that it's the great desire of God and the great need of the human heart. Kurt Thompson, psychiatrist and author, says this about this need. He says, we all come into the world looking for someone who is looking for us. And both the desire of God and the need of our heart, both of those things are met in Jesus in this moment, who entered into our story, who entered into our story as as one of us, entered into humanity as one of us, who not only brought the loving presence of God to us, but invites us into the loving presence of God the Father. Trevor Hudson would describe this, this Emmanuel in this way. He says, God's promise that I am with you comes with an invitation Will you be with me? What I'm learning in these days and in my own relationship with Jesus and my own pursuit of, of Christ and in my own desire to, to follow him more closely is that, is that, that actually following Jesus, um, it's, all, it's a lot more about being with Jesus than I realized. That it's a lot more about Emmanuel than it is about the things that I do or the things that I try to accomplish, but simply allowing myself to be with him and and in his presence. It's simply learning to be with Jesus. And the byproduct of that is is that we become and that I become more like Jesus. And really, the the reality of that is just like anything else that we want to to do or become, it, it, it requires some practice. It requires some intentionality. It requires saying yes to that invitation. Will you be with me? 
Yes is the answer that I want to give. And so here's the thing as we see all three of these names as they converge in this passage in, in Matthew's telling of the story is that in these three, in these three names, Matthew tells us this, that generation upon generation ago, God had a plan. And he made promises to fill that plan. God's plan for us was to be present, to be with his people. Not intervening from a distance, but always active and and always near. And sometimes showing up in the most unexpected ways. And his plan His plan was always aimed at rescuing his people from darkness to light, from death to life, from slavery to freedom, from sadness to joy, from wilderness to the promised land, from our brokenness to his grace and to his loving presence. This is what Jesus came to do. This is what Jesus is doing and this is what Jesus will continue to do until he returns as we live in the now and not yet kingdom of God, which means that we still actually have some waiting to do. Which brings me back to the original question that we talked about at at the beginning of this is, how are you waiting? Are you waiting with hope? Are you waiting with with peace? Are you waiting with with joy as, as Cam talked about this morning? Because for me, I think I can actually wait with hope, I can have expectancy and anticipation of, of what is to come. I think I can try to, to wait with peace, with this inner assurance that ultimately all things will be well. But when I think about waiting with joy, I have to, I have to think really hard about, to think about any time when I've waited and, and enjoyed it. <laughs> to actually enjoy the waiting is, is challenging. And so I have to remind myself, like, what is joy? And I love how the, the Bible Project describes joy in, in their Advent video series. They talk about joy this way. They say, joy is an attitude God's people adopt, not because of happy circumstances, but because of their hope in God's love and promises. Christian joy is a profound decision of faith and hope in the power of Jesus' own life and love. Paul would describe joy as as a fruit of the Spirit, a byproduct of Emmanuel, a byproduct of of God with us. You see, the reality, I think, for us is that we can actually wait with hope, we can wait with peace, and we can wait with joy because we are waiting for the Messiah, the promised King who is and will restore all things, who is establishing his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We can wait with hope and peace and joy because we are waiting for Jesus, the Lord who saves us from the wilderness of our brokenness into the promised land of his grace and loving presence. And we can wait with hope and peace and joy because we are waiting with Emmanuel, who invites us moment by moment into the loving presence of God, which means no matter how long we wait, we're never going to wait alone. I want to invite the the worship team to come back up. And as they do, I want to invite you this week to consider the the names of Jesus. Again, maybe you got one of those Advent calendars last year or two years ago, and and you've put that up already. We're about to. Uh, 
But considering these three names of Jesus or any of the other names of Jesus found in Scripture, and as you find yourself waiting, maybe it's just like in line at the grocery store for your kids to finish putting on their, their shoes to head out to school, wherever it might be, where you would call to, to mind one of the names of Jesus, Emmanuel, Son of God, Light of the World, the Good Shepherd. You, you can find all sorts of these names, and, and maybe it's just like Good Shepherd, be with me today. And maybe it's just a, a breath prayer in those moments of, of waiting, like trying to open ourselves up to the reality of his presence with us and near to us. So I want to encourage you to consider that practice this week as, as you continue in your own Advent journey. And as we close, I want to invite you to stand with me. I'm going to close with a prayer this week. It's a prayer I found, discovered this week by Martin Luther King, and I feel like it closes us well this morning. God, we thank you for the inspiration of Jesus. Grant that we will love you with all our hearts, souls, and minds, and love our neighbors as we love ourselves, even our enemy neighbors. And we ask you, God, in these days of emotional tension and when the problems of the world are gigantic in extent, and chaotic in detail, to be with us in our going out, in our coming in, in our rising up, and in our lying down, in our moments of joy, and in our moments of sorrow, until the day when there will be no sunset and no dawn. Amen.